Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gill, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Yeah! What up, what up? Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. I'm super stoked today uh, to get one of my good friends in this whole sneaker thing on. But more, more than just a sneaker collector uh, that some of you, most of you probably already know him, Fran has been a collector of many, many things and kind of... I would say leads the charge in like what collecting is to people in a lot of ways in like kind of the modern era of collecting, because, you know, it's, it's always, it, somebody's got to dip their toe in the water to check it out uh, before everybody else does it. And, you know, I remember watching your YouTube videos way back in the day and I'm just stoked to, to be able to, you know, have you on and talk to people and, and kind of introduce you to the sneaker history family and the, the people that are going to tune in for this, but also to get to talk to you about some of the stuff you're doing in the crypto space, because I think that stuff is really fascinating too. And we both, you know, are find ourselves in a lot of these conversations with other people. And it's just a, a, a cool time to see sneakers go, I guess, grow into something new and exciting. So what's good, friend? How you doing, man? What's good, Nick? Thanks for having me on. Uh, really excited to sit down and talk with you. But yeah, I mean, even as you said that there, it got me thinking, you know, that was the the purpose of my sneaker videos back then was to introduce stuff to people that uh, maybe hadn't seen it yet. You know, back then, it, sneakers were, if you know, you you know, if you know, you know. And so a lot of people didn't know. And so getting that uh, information out there and sharing my passion with that, uh, I'm still doing that 10 years later, just on, in a different uh, realm, a, a little bit early for people as well. And so... Uh, yeah, it's just funny to kind of think about. I re really have been kind of doing that same exact thing in different ways for the past decade. So, uh, but yeah, thanks for having me on. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome uh, talks. So, yeah, yeah, of course, man. And you know, it's it's crazy too because like I think you know, I c I was trying to think this morning like when we first met in person, and it had to have been like a dunk exchange. Like I don't know, yeah, that seems two thousand eight, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there, kind of yeah. when everything started to like bubble up beyond like Nike talk and, and soul collector forums. Right. Right. And you were, yeah, definitely. you were already like, you know, I, I, I'm sure you were already uploading YouTube videos at that point. Like, yeah, I started in 2008. Um, I think June of 2008, the, the first video I did was on the Trickstar dunks, uh, lined up at Brooklyn project for those. And, um, yeah, the, the idea there was I was going to do a video a month and just kind of talk about like the newest releases, but then, uh, it was received pretty well right out the gate, and so people wanted videos every week, and then that turned into 
um, videos every couple days. And I think at the peak, I was doing like seven videos a day every day. Uh, so it definitely got a bit crazy um, there for a while. But yeah, it, it was a fun experience, fun um, uh, moment in time for sure. Uh, the sneaker game has changed a lot since then in many ways. Um, what I was doing is kind of on the fringes. And, and now, you know, sneaker-related content is, you know, its whole industry. And, and so... It's it just awesome to see all that growth in, in you know, the, the past number of years. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I, one of the things I wanted to point out and just give you the flowers while I have you here. I love that you just upload your shit, man. Like, I love that you don't, like, polish it and, like, put a bunch of stuff on it. Because I've been on the other side of the business for so long. Like, I'm trying to do more of my own content now as opposed to being the guy behind the scenes that's connecting all the dots. And, you know, we've connected in different various places throughout the years, but I'm always, I'm always kind of like on the other side of the creative part of that, where, you know, when you're working for a company, it's gotta be like, okay, this is filmed. Oh, it wasn't a good take, do it over and all that stuff. And what I love about just being a fan and a friend and a follower of you is like, I just think that you're going to get like just your free flowing thoughts and ideas that, I think that's something that people, I don't know how many people that are listening to this are, are like thinking about creating content in whatever format, but like, I think you're like living proof that you don't have to do it the way that society tells you to do it. You can just do it because you're super passionate about it and it's going to work. And I just want to say yes. props to that props to you for that, because yeah. there's so many, there's so many things that people look at now and like get scared of even being involved with creating content and, you know, social media and all that stuff. So. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. And um, yeah, thank you. But no, even as you're saying that, you know, it takes me back to a couple videos where like I did a video of a Supreme warehouse lineup and I literally, I had my laptop and I walked the line to use the camera on the laptop, you know, whereas most people might, might be like, I don't know, embarrassed or afraid to do that, but that was my camera. Yep. And so, um, uh, and then even at like, I, I flew out to Atlanta. This is one of the first time I met a lot of like the people in the, the sneaker industry, like Greg Street and Clark Kent and Mayor. And I'm walking around that that Nike store for that party, and I and I have my laptop. I'm I'm, I'm filming filming the video there and stuff. So, yeah. So very much like you know, um, there's a bunch of different industry standards. You get your light set up. You get your mic. <clears throat> I don't do any of that. You know, yep. I, I'm just putting out content that I enjoy and, and, uh, people seem to enjoy it too. So. Yeah, man. And, and as somebody who kind of grew up, I mean, I'm from Sacramento originally and I've lived in California most of my life, but you know, my family, my parents got divorced. We moved around a lot. So like I lived in Oregon and various cities, I lived in Colorado. And then, you know, as an adult, I've moved around a lot. Um, I, I also appreciate just that kind of, that you're almost like the the conduit to a lot of these experiences that people that live in, you know, places that don't get to even see what lining up at Supreme is like, you know, they're, they're, you know, I mean, obviously it's different times now you've got like all sorts of stuff going on online, but like, it's so important to have that kind of, I guess, normalized experience for people to see as opposed to, and you know, this is not a, a dig at, at my friends at complex. Obviously I've, you know, work there and friends with tons of those people, but like they create something that's completely different, right? When they do their, their Supreme, when they used to do the Supreme stuff that they were doing where they're, you know, kind of hyping up the line experience and talking to people, but it's, 
it's it's you know you sit in those lines for hours you know like it's not it's not like as a fun 30 second experience the way that it seems like it is on most big media platforms so um i think it's really cool because there's just so many people out there that you know just don't get to have that hands-on experience and and not even just like at supreme right like complex con is coming up like there's so many people that probably look at that and think one day i'm going to get there because i was one of those people when it was you know it was, for me it was like russ bankston and and sneaker stuff in, in Slam Magazine back in the day. But, like, nowadays it's the same kind of, you know, people that don't live in the major cities or, or in California, New York, et cetera, that have, like, the, the big events that get to kind of experience that through you. So I, I think it's super dope, man. I, I just have to, you know, again, say, like, it's been super dope to watch you do this stuff and to just kind of, you know, like, kind of see you lead the way and, and introduce people to things that they wouldn't have normally seen. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. When it comes down to it, I'm like a nerd when it comes to anything that I'm into, right? And so like uh, documenting stuff like that or, or giving that perspective, you know, I'm the type of person who saved the Toys R Us magazines that had Pokemon on it. And, you know, like I, I really like saving those moments and, and, you know, those moments don't last, you know, forever. So to have that up online for people to come back to, just like I'd go back to those old uh, magazines and, and stuff like this. Um, yeah, uh, it's just something that I've always wanted to do. And even now with NFTs, you know, um, uh, it's still a foreign concept to boast. And back in March and April, I was there recording the drops because no one else was doing it. And so those videos still have a couple hundred views, but that's the type of thing that I'm proud to have up there because, uh, you know, those drops last a couple minutes and that's it. It's gone. And so, um, documenting that type of stuff, I think is, uh, an important thing to do. So, yeah, yeah definitely, man. So I guess like how, how did you let's start with sneakers because that's kind of everybody that's listening here. But we're all kind of of that same age where like we have all these crossover collector things, right, where we get obsessed over something. So what got you into sneakers and, and like what was the early years for you sneaker wise that, you know, especially being in L.A., obviously you mentioned the, the Brooklyn Projects and Trap Star on YouTube. But like, um, you know, what what kind of got you into kicks that way? OK, time out. Nick here. Before we get into the rest of today's episode, I wanted to ask you a favor. We're looking for sponsors for the podcast, and I thought, who better to ask than the listeners that support us already? If you're like me, you probably listen to a lot of podcasts, and you know exactly who the sponsors are that you like, and definitely those that you don't. If that sounds like you, send us an email to podcast at sneakerhistory.com with some of the brands that you would like to hear sponsor the Sneaker History Podcast. It would really help us out, and it will save you from hearing about skinny tees or industrial cleaning supplies or other weird stuff like that that doesn't make any sense. All right. Enough of the business. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, so um, I really was never into, like, clothes or shoes or anything. Uh, when I was really young, my clothes were, like, Dragon Ball Z t-shirts and stuff like this. Um, but uh, uh, in high school, I, I would be going to New York once a year with family and on family trips and stuff. And so I'd end up going to, like, the NBA store or something like this. And I'd pick up, like, one pair of Jordans and, and, and stuff like this and... Uh, my, my friends seemed to think that they were like the most amazing thing ever. And, and I didn't know much about them, but I just liked like the patent leather on the ones and, and uh, stuff like this. And so um, it wasn't really till like the end of high school. I, I started seeing people trading these pink boxes at, um, at school and I didn't know like what they were. So I, I had to look up Nike SB and uh, the first pair of shoes that, that really caught my eye were like the De La Highs. And so I was looking all, all around online, but um, couldn't find my size. Ended up finding them from like some UK shop. I don't remember the name of it now, but I doubt they exist still. And so, um, uh, yeah, I got them. It was like 250 bucks and 
that that was my entry point into sneakers and sneaker collecting was the De La Highs and um, uh, after that it was it was Bapes for me. Um, got into Bapes in probably like 2006 something like that. And by 2007, that's when I was really uh, hitting the the skate shops like every month for the newest releases and um, checking up on seeing the pictures of the Freddies and calling all the shops and wondering why they're not getting them and, and stuff like this. And so that was really my my entry point was um, the mid to early 2000s, and it just kind of grew from there. And within the next uh, year or so after uh, really jumping into the black boxes, that's when I started doing the, uh, the videos. It was pretty quickly, I feel like that evolution happened. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for, at the time, um, Sneak Geeks was doing uh, Jordan reviews. And so I remember actually messaging him and asking him if he would mind if I do uh, SB reviews to, to no response. And so I started doing that and that started making some noise and ended up becoming friends with him and actually putting on some events and stuff um, over the years with him, which was a fun experience as well. Nice, man. That's so awesome. I I think that's so, so cool, too, because like I feel like it's such a different time now, right, where everybody's like just throwing everything out there, you, you know. And trying to figure out, I think everybody's just still trying to figure out where they where their lane is, right? But mm-hmm. it was such a small little group of creators, especially on YouTube, right? Like yeah. that, you know, even, you know, like I'm really close friends with Jacques Slade, right? And he hadn't quite ventured into that stuff yet at that time. Yeah. And But I remember he and I talking about, you know, watching your videos back then and Sneak Geeks too. Like it was just like, you know, maybe... I think maybe Rich Kicks in the City was like right around that time or a little bit after. And like we all just kind of had like a handful of people to look at and be like, oh, shit, somebody's doing something like I've got some cool shoes here. Like I could talk about shoes, you know, and and just trying to navigate yeah. that was such a a fun time. And I and I say that because eventually we'll, we'll get into the NFT stuff. And I, I really feel like there's so much similarities between like 15 years ago with sneakers and streetwear. Or maybe maybe a little yep. bit more than that, you know, like, but like, and, and NFTs now, but, you know, you, I think, have probably one of the harder sizes to get, right? So, like, how, how does that affect what you end up collecting? And then, you know, I guess, like, give people an idea of, like, how the size of your collection has, has you know, ebbed and flowed throughout the years. Because I know you've gone from probably hundreds or thousands down and up and, and you know, it's just an interesting kind of comparison to what what will happen in the future in my opinion yeah yeah so um first of all i, I do want to uh mention uh uh Cousteau and and watching his journey and stuff and having him come come here he did an interview i think for uh, kicks on fire at the time and he was kind of asking me about getting started in the youtube and it's just been so amazing over the years to watch his uh journey and stuff and definitely an inspiring figure for sure and um yeah very very cool but but yeah, um, so I, I'm a size six, uh, which has its perks, you know, in Jordans, that means cheaper retail price, but in other shoes, it means you might not be able to find it or it'll be a size seven, which, you know, I can make it work, but those are very rare and, uh, most stores start ordering at eight and not at seven. And so that leaves really back in the day, Nike.com was like my only option for size seven men's for a lot of uh, shoes. And that made it kind of hard to get. And in other cases, you just see random seven sitting. And so it was really random. There was never really like a, an exact, uh, um, you know, rhyme or reason to it. Uh, stuff sometimes appeared and sometimes didn't. And 
you know, I had to take the L off the bat because my size wasn't around. And so, um, it varied in, in that respect, but, but yeah, no, definitely. Um, uh, at one point my collection was definitely over a thousand. Uh, it, it's not there now. Uh, I've been unloading, um, pretty gradually since about the mid 2010s, uh, first to put some of that, uh, um, capital into the, um, the project I was doing a, a few years back, started a footwear company with some other people and, ended up stepping away from that. So a lot of those initial sales, uh, went in, uh, directly into that business. And, um, and then now even still with, uh, downsizing and, uh, before we started recording, I, I kind of mentioned how, you know, I, I recently let go of my, my full video game collection, which I, I've had since, uh, childhood, really uh, the original boxes, original games, original instruction booklets, original plastic inside of the boxes. I've always had that collector mindset since I was five or six. And so, um, yeah, with NFTs, that kind of was a, a gateway or a, an aha moment where I realized more and more stuff's going to go digital. And so the video game collection was a very just simple uh, one local store came came in and kind of bought everything all at once. And so that was an easy move to do. But with the sneakers, it's something that I'm still planning on doing little by little. And, you know, it might be worth checking out my Discord because I, I probably do plan on letting, letting go some of that stuff for some deals, um, I, I would say. So... Um, but yeah, um, like I said, around a thousand or a little bit over at one point. And now if I had to guess still pretty high, uh, 600 or so, I, I would say. Um, so definitely a lot of boxes. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, I'm always going to love sneakers. Even now, you know, I'll pick up the occasional GR and stuff. I don't, I don't really go for any of the like super rare stuff, but there's definitely solid colorways that still come out and I'll still want to rock and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah definitely. Totally agree, man. And I think too, like it, I don't know if it's, if it's just the era of growing up, but like, what do you think, what do you think kind of gave you that collector's mentality before? Like most people were really thinking about collecting because the, the, the details that you talk about are the things that I think, you know, I mean, obviously with sneakers now, and the people that are listening to this, there's a lot of people that have been doing this for a while that have that same, like, got to have every little piece, right? Got to have the, you know, the hang tag or the paper or, you know, some people even want, like, you know, just just various things that you're just like, you have to be obsessed about it, right? And I think that's, like, something yeah. that we all kind of connect on anyway. But do you have any idea, like, for yourself, how you started thinking that way? Yeah, 100%. Um I think I was five, and for Christmas, my parents gave me the, the Star Wars trilogy, and uh, uh, that blew me away. Uh, th those movies were just insane, and, you know, my, my dad started mentioning some of the figures and how he wished he kept them sealed because the prices of them now and stuff like this, and so really Star Wars was what really, and my dad, for, for that matter, was what really got me into the mindset of, okay, I, I want to keep stuff sealed, and uh, you know, I even ended up keeping a original booster box of, uh, Pokemon sealed. It wasn't oh. the first edition one, but it was the print right after that. And I had that sealed until 2019, uh, uh, at which point I sold it to Sean. I, I had been talking to him, Sean Watherspoon. I had been talking to him about it for a few years and, um, he basically was willing to offer me exactly what at that time they were going for, which was 4,200. And, um, right 
you know, uh, months after that, that's when the pandemic started. And a couple months later, it was 8,000 was the value, and then 16,000, and then 36,000. And before that year was over, th that same box was selling for over $100,000. And so um, to see that build up um, compared to the 20 years previous that I was holding it, and it barely appreciated to 4,000 to less than 12 months later, and it had, you know, uh, gone over uh, six figures and stuff. Seeing all of that and also knowing that I had let go of shoes early made me understand that everything that happens online happens quicker. And so the value of these NFTs was going to grow exponentially very fast. And uh, I just, just my experience with collectibles for the past 20, 30 years told me that, um, you know, these prints of 3,000 or these prints of 10,000 is nothing. And, and that value is going to climb quickly. And so having just seen that Pokemon explo explosion, I, I had already been in crypto for the past four or five years. And I, I, I saw that it was time to have that small investment, which is now appreciated um, you know, quite well, move that one more time over to these NFTs. And, and that was the leap I took in April. And it's been paying off. And it's been a, a very fun space that's still growing very, very rapidly. Even today, news that Disney is dipping their toes into, into the space, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think with Web3, much like uh, Web 1.0, which was emails and websites, and then Web 2.0, which was social media, I think everyone will have a crypto wallet in the coming years, whether that's for collectibles or, or currency. And so uh, I'm very much focused on that space right now. Yeah, man, I 100% I agree. And I think it's interesting, too, because, like, you know, it's still so it, – it doesn't seem like it to me as somebody who's, like, kind of, you know – been playing in the space for a little bit and watching the space like a hawk for a, a couple of years. I mean, a friend of mine and I, we've been, we created a token. It's probably been about six months to a year now. And, and like, yeah, we weren't looking at it as an NFT. We were looking at it as like a, kind of like a, an experiential thing where, you know, I don't know where it's going to go, but like, it was just something that we wanted to try, you know? And I think yeah. the space is so, it's so wide open still. Like it's, it's easy to see like, you know, the craziness of it where, you know, just this week you're seeing, you know, board ape stuff hit like crazy New numbers, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think that like for me, and, and I want to ask you this, but like for me, it just comes down to like, it's the same way that I bought clothing before the internet, right? It was like, I supported the skate shops or I bought a brand because they sponsored a car that I liked, or they sponsored a skateboarder that I liked, or they they were, you know, connected to some thing, right? The same way that like, I look at the way, you know, like diamond, right? Like diamond being, in, you know, in San Francisco and like all of those guys that, that I watched grow up skating and like, just thinking like, man, like these are the, these are like the gods of the skate world here in San Francisco. Right. And then the same thing that Bobby hundreds has been able to like take and, and revisit all the nostalgia and, and connect the dots for people throughout the years, you know, like those are the things that I look at the NFT space and just think, I mean, I'm just going to be interested in, in the same things and, and like the people that are doing cool shit, I'm going to want to support them regardless. So this is what they're doing now. And this is how I'm going to support them. And, um, but I guess like, how do you, how do you decide I guess let's go back one step first. How do you decide, like, in terms of, like, you know, the sneaker stuff, right? You, you've you've kind of gone up and down hundreds of pairs. But, like, how do you decide yeah. what to keep and what to let go of? And 
you know, do you have any specific shoes that like you could just look at and say like that one's probably never leaving? Like I'm always going to want to wear that pair. Yeah, so uh, I very much with any collectibles, I, I tie it to memory and experience and events and stuff like this. And so, um, yeah, there are a handful of stuff. And even like, uh, so I have like Supreme tees and stuff, which uh, I don't see myself wearing the coming years, but uh, I probably will end up framing and putting up on the walls and stuff like this, like lining up for the Kermit tee back in 2008 or whenever it was. And um, just certain pieces that I feel like, you know, have a lot of meaning to me, but also like, we're kind of milestone moments in these brands and stuff. So definitely there's stuff I'll, I'll keep, but um, plenty of stuff I'm, I'm going to unload as well. And, you know, back, back to your point right there where you're talking about um, um, supporting these creators. Uh, the awesome thing about NFTs is, you know, if I were to resell, let's say the Kermit shirt or whatever, Supreme is not getting a piece of that. But with NFTs, uh, the creators are getting royalties on it every time that the, the, the item passes hands. And so... Um, you know, that, that's a new, a new thing that wasn't there before. Jeff Staple was recently talking about this in a space is just imagine each time the pigeon dunk was switching hands, if he was seeing a piece of that, you know, as he should have been, that that's his art. And so it's really just the technology, uh, catching up to the times and, um, and there will be NFTs that are tied to physical goods. So people will still be buying their sneakers and when they sell it, you know, the Nike and stuff like this will be now cut in on a piece of that transaction due to NFTs. So it's really an evolving space that um, is, is going to change the way really that uh, just transactions are done, like commerce is done in general over, over the coming decades. And uh, it, it won't even be a term that we're using because it, it's just it's just buying and selling. That's just how, how we'll, we'll be thinking of it. Um, uh, that's years out, but that's just what it's going to be. Yeah, I, I agree, man. It, it's it's also like almost like the the beautiful irony, you know, collectively artists. I think, you know, I have like friends and family and siblings that are like very much artists. Right. And mm -hmm. it's a really difficult career path, life choice to be dedicated to creating physical art and making a living. Right. If you're yeah. not most people that are creative enough to create something and, and something beautiful are not business minded enough or don't like the marketing aspect or don't like having right. to talk to people. And that makes it difficult for them to create a living. And I think that's the, the, the kind of unspoken thing that I, you know, as somebody who lives kind of both on the marketing side and the creative side, it's so cool to see that we have something that actually could be beneficial for those people that couldn't, you know, just can't do all the business aspects of it. Right. Like you see the people like, like Jeff, where, you know, he's creative and like, you know, understood the, the sneaker world and the, the marketing side of things and has done so much crazy cool stuff, but like, he's really rare, you know, like Nick, Nick Diamond, yeah. the, those types of people are really, really rare, you know? So it's, it's cool to me to see something like that. And I think I just, I just get excited about that for my friends that are not, as business savvy, but are just amazing creative people. Once they start kind of looking at this and, and trying to, to see how it works for them, there's so much potential for that to become life-changing for, for a lot of them. And, you know, not to say that everything that happens in the NFT space is going to be life-changing, but like for a lot of those people that are creatives, they just want to create. And this kind of gives them an opportunity, in my opinion, to, to, you know, to not have to deal with the other sides of the business course there's tons of things about nfts that they've got to learn 
And, you yeah. know, I think that's part of the other conversation, other part of the conversation I wanted to have with you. You know, you, you kind of jumped into the NFT space pretty, pretty heavily, right? In like you said, in, mm -hmm. in March and April. And how, how did you, how, how did you start that? And, you know, I want to talk about sneaker punks because you've got your own NFT series and how did yeah. you, you know, which came first, y your own ideas or did you just like start collecting the way, you know, you have in the past? So I've known about NFTs since 2017, um, but um, so I, I, with crypto, I would watch every documentary ever, every interview ever, every, you know, just try, try to get all the information I could because I had little understanding of crypto and, you know, I'm still learning daily. And so NFT definitely got brought up and every time it was a small, uh, you know, two minute segment in an hour piece, just kind of saying that they exist and showing kind of auctions and people paying like extreme numbers for, for them. And so to me, my gut feeling was NFTs are a scam. It, it's people trying to get your crypto. And so, um, you know, no way. Uh, I, I'd never, right? And even um, as crypto really picked up in January of this year, people were in my DMs and stuff. Yo, did you see this NFT? You see this? You see that? And my answer was always, I've never really been into physical art, so I don't I don't expect getting getting into digital art. And then once again in February, Sneak Geeks, Sneak Geeks was posting on on Twitter about Vivi. He was posting his Harley Quinn and Batman NFTs, and this I understood. I understood licensed product. I understood you know Powerpuff Girls and Adventure Time and Batman, and so. I downloaded the app and my first NFT, I picked it up on March 3rd. It was a Jim Lee Joker statue, paid 89 bucks for it. And like the following day, it was worth like, I don't know, 150 bucks or something. And so that's when I jumped in and, and uh, got on the app. There was a few rare pieces that were like 200 and stuff like this. And I was picking them up and a few more pieces that were still available for retail. I was picking them up and, you know, just kind of one, one of each piece and stuff like this. And now I'm looking back and wishing I would have grabbed three or four or five of these $80 pieces, which are now like $7,000 and stuff like this. And so, um, so Vivi was very much my, my entry into it. And, uh, right away I was, I was all in, uh, started uploading videos. I think the first day I found the platform, maybe the second day was uploading videos daily, uh, for a while and then uploading drop videos and uploading announcements for Vivi and, and stuff like this. But so that went on for a month. And then, uh, that's when I got on OpenSeas, which is the world's largest NFT platform. And right off the bat, I was just kind of looking for stuff that I was into. I'm very much into like World of Warcraft. And so I found a project called Elven Punks and I picked one up and within seconds, don't know how uh, she knew this. I guess it showed my username for relations. And so she tweeted out little stories of the elf went on a journey and uh, the, the wonderful wizard Frenelations added him to the tribe or whatever. I was like, this is pretty freaking cool. Like this is a whole other world out here. And so, so I was on there for a couple of days and I started messaging her, um, the creator of Elven Punks. And I was like, you know, you've really inspired me. Like what tools do you use to make these NFTs? And that's the one thing that right off the bat, it felt like the sneaker community all over again is people very open to sharing their information and their tips and how to and, you know, uh, check this out. And and that's what the sneaker community felt like to me uh, over a decade ago. And so um, that weekend, uh, I don't I don't consider myself an artist at all. In fact, I'm very terrible at it. Always have been. But I, I sat there, watched some how to videos, uh, how to use this app and how to upload NFTs and 
that's what I did that whole weekend. Um, uh, you know, 12 hours both days, and that following Monday, I uploaded my first sneaker punk. And I think the first one actually did so pretty quickly, but uh, after that, like most of them were just sitting there. And so um, this is back in April, three days after getting my first NFT on OpenSeas, I, I started creating. And, uh, you know, I, I stuck with it for the most part. There, there were some times where I kind of stopped creating and stuff, but it really picked up once I sold my CryptoPunk. I think once people see that six-figure sale, they're, they're much more willing to look into what the space is. And, and now, you know, there, there's that value there that they might not have seen before. And so... Sales really picked up after that, and and I've been creating ever since. And so now my my, my purpose with the project is kind of to to bring value outside of the, the NFT itself. You know, people have, have resold some of my NFTs for eight hundred bucks and a thousand bucks, and you know I was charging eighty dollar retail. And so it's great to to be able to be people's first NFT and and have that exposure and have that flip experience that I had you know, create that for other people. And so, um, I, I do want to bring other, um, aspects to it, whether it's future airdrops, uh, uh, future tokens or stuff like this. And, and I'm, I'm building out a whole nother, uh, project also kind of the evolution of this first project, which will be 3d rendered and stuff like this. And so very much a space I plan on creating for the next decade, much like I did with YouTube and sneakers and stuff. And so, I'm still learning and uh, still um, still growing that, and it, it's just it's been a fun ride so far, and I'm just now getting started. So awesome, yeah. man! I mean, it's it's honestly great to hear too that you also had the hesitation, right? Because I think that's one mm -hmm. of the things that when I talk to friends, you know, some people are interested enough and curious enough about it where like the conversation's kind of like as if we were, you know, walking through a sneaker store talking about shoes or something, and then some people are not as into it. And then some people just like yeah. have no interest whatsoever. And, you know, it's, I, I mean, I have friends that are like that with sneakers where like they've known me yep. for, for years and they just don't care about sneakers. Right. Like it, right. like no matter what, and I'm, I'm not the type of person to like convince people of things, but I I'm fascinated by the conversations around everything. Right. Because to me, like, uh, you know, I I'm, I'm that way. Like I have friends like yourself that are like massive into Pokemon. And I just, it mm -hmm. was not, I was like just beyond that. And I was, I mm -hmm. was like working too much to get into it when it first happened. And I just never went back to it and got into it. You know, like a lot of things that I went through, there was some nostalgia and I went back and, and like relive that in some way. Right. Yeah. But for me, Pokemon just never happened. And it's mm -hmm. not that I am not like curious about it. It's just, I don't know. It just, it just didn't happen naturally. So it, it didn't, it didn't become a part of my life. But I think yeah. it's fascinating now because we're seeing like almost things repeat themselves in a sense where, you know, people look at something and, and whether it's the art or the, the possibility of making money or or just like yeah. the people that, that they meet from, you know, that are connected to it. Right. Like I've had so many conversations with people in the NFT space that are not really, uh, you know, crazy about sneakers, but they're also like curious enough and have enough interest in sneakers that there's some sort of connection there and crossover to where our mm -hmm. conversation, we can, we can kind of, you know, educate and elevate each other in our conversations, which is fascinating because with the sneaker space, it's gotten so big and so massive that it almost feels like you have to filter through the bullshit just to get to the real people behind a lot of this stuff, you know? And I feel like with, with, you know, to your point, NFTs kind of took exactly that, that same, like, let's just, 
let's just help each other figure this out mentality. And, you know, I, am just kind of blown away that we're, that we're seeing it again in a sense with, with this new digital stuff. But I guess like what, like what for you in that early before the, before you, you know, saw sneak geeks and started the view of stuff, like how, how, what were your thought process or, you know, what were you thinking through that time to, you know, kind of really commit to it and how long did it take you to like, say, okay, like I'm going to try this type of thing. And, and I guess on top of that, is that kind of mentality and approach to it, something that you would say is similar to the other things that you've collected and been passionate about through the years? Wait, wait, hold up. I'm using my Zach Morris powers here to call a timeout and tell you about a couple of our partners. These are some of the folks that help us keep the podcast going, and they have some exclusive discounts just for our listeners. Now, if you're already subscribed to our YouTube channel, you know how I love to display my kicks when I'm not rocking them. Sneaker Throne makes sneaker display cases featuring customizable LED lights and drop side cases to showcase the entire side of your shoe, not just the heel or the toe. To me, it's the perfect way to display your collection. You can save 10% on your Sneaker Throne order by using the code HISTORY at SneakerThrone.com. That's HISTORY at SneakerThrone.com. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter and a member of our Discord community, you already know about Kicks with V Hot Sauce and his small batch, locally sourced hot sauce. V has been one of the biggest supporters of sneaker history and the podcast since the early days, and his hot sauce has been a huge hit within the community. To celebrate the launch of his new Coffee Habanero flavor hot sauce, and my personal favorite, his new Habanero Honey, He's given an exclusive discount to our podcast listeners. You can save 10% by using the code SneakerHistory10 at KicksWithVHots.com. That's SneakerHistory10 at KicksWithVHots.com. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast or becoming a partner with our community, get in touch with us. You can reach us by email at podcast at SneakerHistory.com. Or better yet, tell some of your favorite brands they should be sponsoring the podcast. All right, let's get back into today's episode. Yeah, so... uh... Yeah, it did take me a while to to take that leap, but again, got to bring up Sneak Geeks because same thing. In, in 2013, he was mining crypto, so that that was my first ex- exposure to that. And it wasn't until 2017, seeing knowing that the price of Bitcoin was 250 dollars back then, and seeing that summer that it was four thousand dollars. That was the aha moment. Like, okay, I've I've seen this play out. I thought it was too high before. I'm thinking it's too high now. It's not. It's going to go higher, right? Yeah. And so. Um, yeah, I, I, I really need those uh, past experiences to help me gauge decisions like that. And so, again, with NFTs, I had seen it in 2017, wasn't really uh, messing with that at that time. So it's really just at least taking a glance at it and coming back later to really make that de- decision and, and see the progress. Not really keeping up with it the whole time, but can see the, the gap of growth there, just how much extreme growth has happened in that space to, to really make that leap. And, you know, how you were mentioning um, – you know, some people will, will never, you know, get into sneakers like that. I think that is the awesome thing about sneakers, though, is um, these brands are really telling these stories for that possibility, for that different subculture, that's different subgroup to get into it. And that's the same thing with NFTs. You know, you might be into sports. You might be into uh, gaming. Like in my case, the, uh, these industries really have like something for everyone, which I, I think is dope because everyone has their own stories, their own experiences to bring to, you know, um, these collectibles. So, yeah. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's so awesome too. Cause I think that's, that's where I've been like, at least my, i never thought I would be in the position that I've been in the last decade or so in terms of like storytelling for brands and retailers right. and, you know, media companies and stuff. But like, 
that's the part that I love about it, right? Like I love mm -hmm. hearing about your experience getting whatever pair of shoes it is. And I get juiced and I want to go like find other people that had a similar experience with a different store and a different shoe or a different community because right. it's it's what we all get just amped up about and what we're passionate about. And I think that's the, that's the thing that I'm constantly trying to pull out of, you know, my experiences with people is like, what, what is it that lights you up and makes you want to just live today? You know, because it's so easy to see all the negative shit that's out there. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Right. And you know, in the last five years, especially it's been just a barrage of it everywhere you go. Yeah. But I think there's something really cool about being able to navigate through all the bullshit of the world to find the things that we're passionate about. And I think that's kind of like overall, that's like just the internet, right? Like that's how you got to navigate in order to feel good about life. And I think with NFTs and, you know, the sneakers and storytelling and like just all the crossover that I can see kind of coming and, and, you know, people trying to figure out where they land in it. It's, it's interesting, right? Because like, I think, you know, I don't know how you feel about like, the early days of StockX, right? Or, or goat or whatever. Right. But like I had my hesitations even taking a job with StockX, and mm. not because I hadn't resold sneakers before. Like I had literally paid my rent with sneakers because I just needed to pay my rent a few times with yep. sneakers. But yep. you know, it, 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 everybody's hesitant towards these new unknown things. And you know, like I told you before we started recording, I mean, I'm so thankful that I had that experience at StockX and moving to Detroit and meeting my girlfriend and like all the things that came from it are exponentially better than I would have ever expected. They're completely opposite of what I actually expected, you know, in terms of, you know, my career path and, you know, what I would do from there and all that. But like, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I think yeah. that's something that, you know, there's something about just like, just trying, right? Not putting yourself in right. a position where you're going to lose, you know, your, your, your world, but like just saying yes to things can, can really kind of change your life. And I guess like, how do you thinking about that? How do you kind of navigate, you know, the, the world of NFTs now when there's so much talk about just making money, but yet I know you as somebody who just is like into the cool shit. Like, how do you, like, what is your, what does your purchase look like when, when you're like, or I guess I should say, how often do you just see something and go, oh, that's fucking cool. I got to buy it as opposed to like, how much money am I going to make off of this? Because I know that's a back and forth that we're all having in all of these worlds now. For me, it's the possibility. What's great about digital? Um, uh, I, I played games like World of Warcraft, right? And so there's a few takeaways from that is there's digital items in World of Warcraft that came out in 2007, which few years later we're with five hundred dollars and then a thousand dollars and ten thousand dollars and twenty thousand dollars and the the thing that's great about digital is you can't get the the item damaged uh it's going to stay in the same pristine condition right but what's also awesome is because it's digital is there's updates so this same piece might add you know another layer um in a video game or might give you a future airdrop and so it's that potential there with with these projects that really gets me um, excited knowing that I can buy a piece and that piece could turn into another. I'll give you an example. Uh, just the other day I, I claimed an airdrop and this airdrop was only eligible for people that had bored apes. So I received 1,800 tokens of Bado for free just for owning the ape. This is not even done by the creators of board ape. This is just another extension for owning that, that piece 
And so that token, uh, when I claimed it two days ago, was worth uh, like I think a dollar forty-two cents per token, and now it's worth three dollars. So it's just there's so so much stuff that you can't even predict that's coming with each of these drops, and that's the exciting part for me is that added value, almost like almost like stocks that um, that, that split uh, or uh, stuff like this. There's so much potential with each of these projects. That's the exciting part, and obviously the art, the art too. There, there's some projects like um, non-fungible heroes. As soon as I saw that, I just jumped in because it, it mixed the vibe of Disney, like that that the cute-looking characters and stuff like that, but also kind of a slightly more mature take, like where it's more like um, anime or superheroes, and it kind of mixed all those worlds together, which is just everything I grew up on and stuff like this. So it varies when it, when I make these purchases. Um, but it usually is projects I, I think either they'll keep creating or other people in the community will keep creating um, um, on that topic or, or on, on those NFTs. That's usually what I look for is something that I can see two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, something still getting created because of them. And, and that's usually the, the driving, driving force of, of that purchase is that added value d down the lines. Yeah. Ha so how do you how do you decide to like to to keep or or you know like do you go into things thinking i'm going to keep this for a long term or like just like i'm going to keep it until whenever and like you know just that that whole idea like it's it's tough for me right because with sneakers i'm very nostalgic so like if i have a personal connection to anybody that worked on the shoe it's very rare that i let go of it if it was a shoe you yeah. know when i worked for soul collector back in the day if it was something that we did at soul collector, like I'll probably never let go of that shoe. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's too close to my journey. Um, but then also like, you know, I just, I just love the shit. So it's like, I have like way too many of them and I'm like, okay, I got to get rid of this, but then how do I even, you know, like the same way that I know you are like a bape and kind of, um, you know, Supreme and undefeated. Like I've been buying neighborhood stuff for years and it's like, yeah, I, I have such a hard time even like letting go of, Stuff that I look at, I mean, I don't have it here next to me right now, but like, like even like the old mouse pads, like who uses this yeah. stuff anymore? But like, it's not worth anything to, for me to sell. Like if it's yeah. 30 or 40 bucks, okay, cool. But like, I actually get joy out of just seeing it and thinking like, damn, that was a crazy time. Of Can't believe that of I course. I still have this shit here. So like, how yeah. do you, how do you decide on those types of things? And I guess like, cause it's, it kind of works in the same you know, I assume like NFTs and sneakers, you probably go through very similar thought process, right? Yeah. So there, there is a kind of a trickier, there's two things I want to touch on here with NFTs because it's a 24 hour marketplace and stuff like this, you're constantly getting offers on these items. Most of the case, the offers are trash, but sometimes literally in order to get to your destination, you have to turn down six figures and stuff like this. But I have targets. I do have target values that I, I kind of predict and see for each of these um, projects. And sometimes even most of the time, even my projections are too short. So I'll give you an example. I saw that Pokemon box I mentioned earlier go to six figures, but it also came down past that. So I saw the climb up and the drop down. And so really hitting that sweet spot of trying to get as close to that top or that target as possible. I always have that in the back of my mind. So in May, uh, I purchased a CryptoPunk, which is like the OG NFT. This is uh, from 2017. This was 
widely viewed as the the project that kind of started what we see now with these NFT collectibles. And so that that project was actually you can claim these items for free, and they're available for a few weeks. But I, I think it was like The Verge or some some pretty big um, you know um, blog or whatever posted about them, and at that day they, they were all claimed. After that, but um. Uh, at that time, when I made that purchase, I think the floor was mm, maybe $20,000, something like this. Um, I, I ended up grabbing one that was a little bit higher. I, I spent $30,000 on, on a CryptoPunk, and my target for it was that $100,000, um, and I thought that would be by around December of this year. Two months later, that's what the floor was on them, and so... Uh, uh, I let it go for for that. Um, I got the offer and I, I accepted it. Um, two weeks later, the floor was three hundred thousand dollars. So very much like I had seen with the, the Pokemon stuff. Still too early, but you know, I I had my target. I stuck with it, and so I, I made that made that flip, which I then got into a board ape, which I was able to make another flip off of that. And so really, it's just having um, a price target in mind and. Having a little bit of leeway with it too, is you might not get exactly what you want, but somewhere close to it. Um, so I, I, I guess it, I don't really have an exact algorithm, um, other than I do have price targets for each of these things, and I kind of if, if I get multiples of them, I'll, I'll kind of sell it on the way up to that target, so I'm locking in some of those profits. And um, yeah, I, I know you, you touched on how there's certain um, physical goods you you never get rid of, and, and I'm that same way. I think. I think with NFTs, there is this kind of element of it is slightly easier to let go of them, but you still do have that attachment. It's, it's yeah. kind of weird. You think with, without with it being a digital good, you wouldn't have that attachment. You do. And so um, it, it is slightly easier to let go of that digital good. Um, usually um, by that point, they'll have already kind of gifted some other NFT along that way. And so with my board, ape, it was kind of easy to to let go of, of that because I have a, they gave a, a mutant ape, which I think I have as my background on my phone, which took the same traits as my, um, my ape, but kind of augmented them a little bit. So I still have a token to commemorate that original token that I'll hold on to that for, you know, the next price target and, and stuff like this. So there is this element of, of like dividends that does make it uh, a bit easier to, uh, let go, but the memories are still there and the stories are still there, and that's why I still upload the YouTube videos about these topics so I can see, you know, the day I, I picked up my, my CryptoPunk, what was on the floor that day, what was the, the price, oh my gosh, the price is 40x since then, it's crazy, you know, like, um, so I, I, I do still like capturing those moments and, and, and looking back on them, so yeah. Yeah, so, so I'll definitely link to, obviously, your YouTube channel and your social handles, you know, in the description for this, but I guess for, for the, the, the person that has no idea about NFTs, could you explain, you know, the floor, um, right. Airdrops. And then like, I also want to talk a little bit more about sneaker punks and kind of like how you see that kind of moving forward into like your next project. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different terminology and stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, you're dealing with crypto, right? So like, uh, secretive, uh, you know, stuff like this. So there's almost like passwords and phrases you really got to catch on to. And even I'll be talking to my girlfriend and I'll say something and she's like, what does that mean? And so, you know, I, I'm so in it that I kind of forget that it's this whole other world. But floor prices are, is like the very 
um, bottom value, right? So th there's different rarities. You can have a very common piece or the most rare piece or uh, uh, stuff like this. And so um, the floor price is the, the lowest that uh, it's listed for currently. And what you've seen it like trend that most of the sales, you, you might say the floor on a project might be one ETH because the, the cheapest you're going to buy in at is one ETH. And so that's what the floor is in airdrops. You know, really what NFTs are, are access tokens or social tokens, right? And so if you have a, a to token in your wallet, um, uh, you'll have access to other airdrops. And what airdrops are, are um, all of these wallets are public addresses, much like um, Google.com or Nike.com. Everyone knows what that address is. And so you'll have an address, which is just a series of numbers and, and letters, which you can actually... Um, get um, almost like URL. So like my, my address is friendrelations.eth. And so if a certain token is in my wallet and that project has an airdrop, they're going to send that new token to everyone else that had the original one. So I'll find that airdrop in my wallet. I won't have to do anything. It's just there and now I've added value to my collection for making a purchase two months previously. And in some cases, these airdrops, you might have to actually go to their website and claim it, but it's the same idea. You only have access because of the token in your, in your wallet. And so this is not Nike is not giving you if you have the first air mag, you're not getting the second air mag. Right. That is this is a new concept here. Um, but I think it's a concept that is awesome and, and great. You know, a lot of us have said very early on once bots started happening is, you know, there should be some type of system. If, if you've been a, a loyal fan to this community for a long time, you should have some extra access. And so I think with decentralized um, products, we're, we're getting that experience that collectors have wanted and that experience that artists have wanted of, of having, um, you know, residuals for their creations. So I think it's really just, like I said, the evolution of how we do transactions. That's really what NFTs are, is making a, trying to make a more fair system that's being built out. And of course it has its flaws too, but um, it's at least trying to do something different. And I think that's, what's very exciting about it. Um, uh, the, this new, uh, new concepts coming to how we uh, interact and transact with, as collectors, creators, and just everyone. It's a new dy dynamic for everyone. Yeah, most definitely, man. And I think too, like I think back to like the the early days when I was at StockX, and one of the things that I was really into, but we just couldn't prioritize it because obviously there's a lot of things that happen in a big business like that. Yeah. But I love the idea of of seeing the trades and seeing where things go. And you know, one of the things that I love about NFTs, OpenSea, any of the any of the platforms really, but like is being able to just go look and be like, man, this is exchanged, you know, is this exchanged hands or gone from wallet to wallet 10, 20, 30 times over the course of a year or two. And then some things just like somebody buys it and it's been sitting there for yep. months. You know, they're just waiting for the right time, or maybe they just love that thing and they're just hanging on to it. And it's so much like sneakers and so much like, you know, Supreme and streetwear and like just I mean it, it's hard for me to not get excited about it because I just see, I think of like how, you know, <clears throat> I guess like the hundreds is the best example, right? Like, okay. you know, when the hundreds started, it was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then they started to pull in some nostalgia and I was like, okay, like yeah. I definitely fuck with what these guys are doing. And then you end up getting a piece here and there. And, you know, like I wasn't living in LA at that time, but like, you know, it was like, okay, they're doing stuff and they're connecting dots for me. Whereas like, I definitely need to pay attention to the next thing that they're doing. And right. then that whole evolution of like empowering other 
creatives, right? Because not only was the hundreds able to go work with, you know, a massive entity like Garfield or something random like that, or Animaniacs or something, right? Um, They were also able to work with like the up and coming streetwear brand around the corner and like kind of elevate those people. And I think that's like the craziest part about seeing the, the connections throughout all these for me with NFTs is like, you don't get to see that with sneakers, even though like, I thought it would have been a really cool thing for like, you know, if, if, say StockX or, or, you know, even Nike themselves could say like, okay, this is where the shoe originated. And this is the person that first bought it. And this is the next person that bought it because that would be such a fascinating thing to see now fast forward 10 or 20 years. Right. We were talking about Jeff Staple and like, if you could watch the journey of like one pair of pigeon dunks and where it went, it would just be such a fascinating thing to see to me. And with NFTs, you can, you can basically see that. I mean, you can't see the physical location, but I can't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some variation of that become a thing in the future. Right. Because people would just love to see how much these things move around and, and what happens with them. So much like how you're asking to explain airdrops. So to explain for those that don't understand what we're talking about here, because NFTs are on blockchain, um, built into the item now every time it switches hands it has that information it'll say that fran sold to nick for eight ethereum on june 12th at 8 p.m that information can't be changed it can't be altered because you did the transaction it is there it is there permanently and it'll always be there and every transaction before or after that will be there including the moment that it was minted it'll say when it came onto the blockchain there has never been anything like this before um you know even even the idea of with Pokemon cards, getting them in to get them um, graded. Part of that is not just for the condition. It's to prove uh, authentication, much like how StockX would do about sneakers. All of that is gone because you will see on the blockchain that Board Ape minted it to this person on this date. It's all confirmed now. So if you're a collector, it takes away the fear of fakes and stuff. Now, with that said, there are still fakes. So you have to do that check. You know, there's even, um, oddly enough, people started making fakes of sneaker punks. So I had two people that had purchased fake ones. And so what I did, um, um, you know, there, there's a fee or whatever, a small fee for transferring any item. I just transferred them the next the next drops because it, it wasn't, you know, they didn't know. Mo- most people are very new to this. And I didn't want that poor uh, taste in their mouth uh, from this community. So uh, I went ahead and sent them two replacements and... Uh, Open Seas was, was uh, you know, quick there with the response. I showed that there was this fake page and it was taken down. And and so there are still, you know, you still have to be safe, be careful, know what you're doing. But if you know what you're doing, there are steps there that weren't there before with other collectibles, which I think is amazing. And so I could really go on and on. I think we've talked about eight different layers of what, what's being improved here, not just for the buyer, but for the seller also. And to to really have just this one way to do transactions that changes so much and is going to keep changing. I really, I don't think people really um, fully understand how, you know, groundbreaking uh, NFTs really are. Uh, There's so many layers there that just automatically happen. You know, you could just be the consumer making a purchase and you don't know all the stuff's happening in the background, but it is. And I I think it's very amazing. Yeah. You know, I just, I'm just kind of thinking about this too, as you were saying that I'm thinking about like the, the early days of sneaker blogging, right? Like I was lucky enough to be kind of in all this from a really 
early part, right? No Instagram, mm -hmm. no Twitter. Right. It was literally like, okay, I posted this because I found it on the Nike site or whatever brand, Adidas site, Saucony, New Balance. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to do a blog post about it. And what would happen mm -hmm. would be that, you know, if I posted it, say, on Nice Kicks back then, you would then see it on you know, all the other sneaker blogs. Right. Right. And sometimes it's a photo that you've been given from a, a PR person. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just something you're pulling off of a website and creating your own kind of news story or release story about. But back then, you know, we were all newbies at this. So it was one of those things that like we would get pissy because somebody would post the same exact thing right. a few hours later, but not credit. And you know, once you start to realize it's all about the people and the relationships, you start to reach out to people and be like, oh, I just became friends with everybody at Sneaker News and Soul Collector and mm -hmm. Ice Kicks and Kicks in the City. Like, it was just like, I just wanted to meet everyone. Like, because right. at the end of the day, if we respect each other, we're going to look out for each other. And mm -hmm. but that's also something that this actually would have solved that problem, right? Like, this would actually be something where you could see that like, okay, well, this is where it started. And not, not that that matters to a lot of people, but for the people that are doing the, the creating part, it absolutely yeah. matters, you know? And I think like the mutual respect comes from those types of accountabilities that exist. And, it, you know, I never really kind of connected the dots because like, obviously like written content and blogging is a lot different than, than artwork, but it's very similar mm -hmm. in the sense that like the way that everybody wants to just be kind of respected in, of in that space. So um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. And, and, you know, well, first, like, I want to say thank you for like spending an hour with me and chatting about all this. Cause I, th I do think like, you know, I mean, I've been in, in some of these, I think Twitter spaces for me has been like the, the go-to, but like, I've been yeah, in here listening for three, four hours at a time, you know, on yeah. some of these chats, but are there, I guess, like, what would you suggest to somebody that's just coming into it to look for in like a project maybe that, that, you know, that they're interested in or, you know, maybe even learning, like, are there other places that, that they, they should go look and learn that to, to about yeah. NFTs? Yeah. I'll go ahead and answer that. And I have one other uh, thought you had mentioned about social media that I want to bring up, but, but yeah, I would just say much like sneakers, just buy what you like, you know, don't go into it with the idea that I'm going to be a millionaire because of this purchase next week. Most likely that's not going to happen. 99.9% .9 of the time that's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, buy what you like. That way, if the value goes down to zero, you're still happy looking at it in your wallet or displaying it in your digital museum in the metaverse or, or whatever it is you're doing with it. As far as information, um, I'm definitely in the discord a lot. People want to join the friend relations discord. Uh, I'm always posting on my Instagram, but like you're saying, Twitter spaces, just hearing people bouncing ideas, much like how we were doing back and forth. There's so much knowledge being thrown around in Twitter spaces. I, I spend most of the day with that on in the background, just listening and, and taking in all the information. So it's a fun space. There's a lot to learn. Um, just, just buy what you like. Um, that, that would be my, my, my best, um, my best advice, but you had mentioned social media and, you know, social media changed sneakers in, in a huge way and stuff like this, but it didn't have its own um, button that you'd push on social media to look at sneakers. But that's coming for NFTs. That's how big Web3 is, is you'll be able to connect your wallet and a whole separate tab. It'll be photos, videos, and digital collectibles. And so these these companies are, are, are building to integrate this stuff. It's here to stay. Uh, uh, 
you know, imagine a world where you go to uh, the next Avengers movie, and because you were the first 50 people in line, you get an NFT that you claim for free, and that's there in your wallet, and people go to your Instagram or your, your Twitter, and, and they'll see that there. Or on the other hand, you're a creator, and you want to sell your item, people will, will know right there on your Instagram or on your Twitter, and they'll be able to click, click on it. This never happened with sneakers. Um, yeah, so the space is still growing, a lot of upside potential there. I'm very excited to see what even the next three months look like, let alone the next five years. Thanks for having me, and um, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I, I could talk all day about this space. So, um, um, But, yeah, and, and it was awesome to kind of think back uh, on, on the, the sneaker journey early on YouTube and just see the parallels there too. So, again, thanks for having me, and uh, uh, hopefully we can do this again at some time. Yeah, of course, man. So I'll link to everything, you know, to get you in touch with Fran in the in the description, wherever you're taking this in, whether it's YouTube or you know, podcast platform or whatever. Um, I guess like, you know, the last, last kind of question as, as we leave, um, are there any other sneaker like related NFT projects that you find interesting that people might even, uh, I'm not trying to convince people to go buy NFTs. Cause I think you should spend at least a month or more, you know, like you said, I, I you know, you said before we started recording, you spend literally hours a day just researching and learning and paying attention I think that's the best advice that anyone could have is like, just, you know, you've got to immerse yourselves in it, right? The same way you would in sneakers 10 years ago, or, or even if you just started in sneakers two years ago, but, uh, aside from your own sneaker punks, NFTs, are there any other sneaker related projects that you, that you find interesting? Yeah. Um, so pup kicks, definitely, a, a awesome sneaker related one. Um, there's a bunch out there. Uh, I, I wish I remember. I think there's one like Sneakerhead Society or something like this. And um, it had different like zombies and aliens and stuff like this. But the heads were literally different sneakers and different colorways. That was that was a cool project. Um, th there's a bunch of stuff out there and there's more stuff to come. Nicky Diamond stuff, obviously. Yeah. Um, um, his, uh, you know, pixelated. Right now it, it's pre-reveal. So you're getting that pink box. Later on it'll reveal into one of his different colorways and I've seen some of the, the early looks at what, what they look like. And it's an awesome project. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I purchased a few and he, uh, hooked it up with a few as well. Um, and, and yeah, you know, there, there's going to be more and more stuff. I, I would not be surprised if by next year there's some Nike, some Jordan, something that has NFT component, much like how you're talking before about storytelling. NFTs are the best way. Imagine scanning it and you have access to a little game or, or whatever that helps tell that story of, of that sneaker. Um, maybe sketches of the sneaker in the early developments, whatever. It's all there because of NFT technology. And so we're very early guys and it's been a lot of fun talking about it. Oh, another huge project actually, uh, 10K TF. Um, Basically, the way this worked is if you had an Oni or a Board Ape, you could uh, craft a, a sneaker based upon the NFT you have. And now they're, they're releasing these threads and these uh, thimbles and this leather, and you get this material together, and you can craft your own sneaker as well. So a lot of fun That's stuff, wild. gamifications of it, and we're, we're just very, very early. Um, so, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. I, I'm I'm stoked that, that we had the time to chat, and, you know, I'm – you know, like I said before, I'm, I'm following you into this world. Like, you know, it's, it's cool to see it all kind of just like happening and people trying all this new cool shit and just really like figuring it out. Right. Cause like, that's the part that I think, uh, I think if I were to have one 
gripe about like the way sneakers has become is it's too predictable. You know, like yeah. I, I was one of those people that loved just showing up at the store randomly and seeing stuff that was there on the shelf that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and and that's sure. kind of missing, you know, like even the stuff that is unexpected is not really because you saw it online somewhere first and it's like, oh, cool, they still have this. So I'm really excited to see where all this goes and, and you know, looking forward to grabbing one of your sneaker punks and putting it in my collection. And I'll, uh, I'll link in the description to everything for everyone, but I really appreciate everybody listening. Thanks again, Fran, for your time. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.